This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast. Welcome back. Episode 10, Brandon, we've made it. We're rich. We're, we're we done did it. We can, uh, we can retire happy and, and, and uh, you know, die on a beach. But uh, episode 10, we made it this far uh, and uh, looking forward to many more. But um, so much happening and, and so much happened between episode 9 and episode 10. Huh, B? Yeah, it was no joke. I mean, just back to back to back. Whole lot of news coming out. So much happening, and I mean, I don't even know where to start. I think the easiest play to go, place to go is the new coaching carousel, and I don't even know if I would call it a new coaching carousel as much as I would call it an end of an era. And if you are anywhere from our age all the way, you know, ten years older and ten years younger, you really probably understand what this is. Uh, if you're pretty younger than that, you know, you don't really feel this, but Head coaching carousel, if you haven't heard it yet, Bill Belichick out in New England. That was the most recent thing to happen. And, I, you know, before I get into all three, <clears throat> all three, it's not all the same in terms of the way they parted ways, right? So Bill Belichick is gone in New England. He will no longer be a part of the New England organization and he will be moving on most likely to a new team and we'll dive into that here in a second the next one is Pete Carroll he is no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks but he is still going to be there in the franchise in some capacity and then last and certainly not least Nick Saban is retiring so it seems like he is leaving coaching altogether we have seen Many, many times guys come out of retirement, whether they're players or mostly players. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head many coaches that have, that have come out of retirement uh, after making such a big, uh, not necessarily big announcement out of it, but a, but a big uh, send-off, more or less. But we have three situations here. Brandon, I guess let's start here. Which, which one of the three was the most surprising of them all? I think the Pete Carroll one was for me um, just because I think he's the one that it just seems like he's got so many more years to give. And I think Saban, you know, I think he's probably in that category as well. Um, but, yeah, the Pete Carroll one definitely kind of shook my – like because I didn't really hear any rumblings or anything about that. And, and then not only to make it in that advisory role, I thought was kind of an interesting choice. Um, cause if you're going to keep them around in that role, I think that's going to be a challenge for a new head coach to come in and, you know, try to make his mark on the team when you have this guy that's been with the franchise for, you know, however many years, a Super Bowl. obviously, you know, he ex- succeeded at the college level as well. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where if they, like, I can't imagine they sign in sign a, a first-time head coach with something like that because it's, it's just going to feel like Pete's kind of running the team behind behind the scenes. But I don't know. That that one was surprising to me, um, especially because, you know, the Seahawks, you know, it's not like they've had great successful years, but the last couple of years they've been fine. I mean, they've been in the playoffs last year, had a chance of making the playoffs this year with the insane tiebreakers, which was the exact same situation as last year something that we were talking about a little bit off air. So for those who don't remember, last year Seahawks made the playoffs because the Lions beat Green Bay in Lambeau. This year, the Seahawks would have made the playoffs if the Bears would have beat the Packers 
in Lambeau. So the Seahawks, how they have they have some creepy ties to the Packers. If you go back to the Russell Wilson years, you have the onside kick craziness when they beat the Packers in the NFC Championship. You have the interim referees fail Mary. The fail Mary because what the referees were on strike or something. Yeah, we had grocery and, store clerks, man, refing the games. So what the a time. Seahawks and the Packers. The last, you know, looking back ten years, they got some weird ties together. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's crazy. You mentioned the end of an era. It's making me feel old. Mm. Like I feel like I should have six different kids with you know three different ex wives <laughs> and like a cholesterol problem, just with how old it's making me feel. But um, yeah, it's. It's definitely newsworthy. It's fun to talk about. You know, the one that was most surprising to me, yeah, it was Pete, obviously, as a fan. I think Nick Saban kind of was really shocking. I was not expecting that coming after the Pete Carroll news. If we're talking about chronological order, Pete Carroll came first, and then the Nick Saban news came out, and then the next day, which is today, the day we're recording this, Bill Belichick's news comes out. So very, you know, the Nick Saban thing definitely shocked me a little bit more. I did not expect Nick Saban to be done yet. Not by any means. I don't think there was, there might've been even less rumblings about that because the rumblings about Pete Carroll were very slight when the Russell Wilson stuff was going on because it was like, okay, are we choosing between Pete or Russell Wilson? So it was almost a very small uh, earthquake, nothing on the Richter scale that would cause any raising of the eyebrows. But you look at the Nick Saban thing. I mean, you talk about changing the landscape of how college football goes. But I will say this. Bill Belichick is the least surprising head coaching change that has happened. But to me, it is almost the most intriguing uh, situation to look at in terms of who fills the New England role and also where Belichick could go. And I want to stick on this for a second because Bill Belichick is at 333 career wins. Okay, and that's including the playoffs. He is number two in all-time wins to Don Shula, who has 347 career wins. So Bill Belichick needs 15 wins to surpass Don Shula. With that being said, what you know is Bill Belichick looking at a situation of? Of I want to I want I want to win, I think that's probably the most obvious reason for him to stay coaching. I want to find the easiest way to get those 15 wins, and I want to end my legacy on a good note. Very intriguing because the Falcons have expressed interest already in Belichick. Reports have come out a little bit that they're interested in Belichick, and they have been amongst other candidates. I think the most popular job right now is the L.A. Chargers job. When you look at how many people could fill that role, you're talking about Jim Harbaugh in the rumblings of it in the last week or so, who could be a great fit for that role. You have Bill Belichick, who could be a great fit for that role. You have Justin Herbert, this flashy face of the franchise that is so much uh, such a high ceiling that you don't know where it goes. And then you also even have Pete Carroll who could come back to the L.A. area because Pete Carroll has made it pretty uh, apparent that he wants to continue coaching and he has the energy and has the wherewithal to do it. So I'm very curious what your thoughts are about where Bill Belichick kind of ends up and and where you think the best fit is. I mean, there's a few here. I mean, there's there's sources that have said, not sources, but uh, articles that I've read that have said the Carolina Panthers might be a spot for him, which is interesting to think about. Or, or you know, I mentioned the Atlanta Falcons, the LA Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know? I mean, what's what what, what comes of that? But one, one, one last thing that's crazy is Bill Belichick is going to turn 72 in a few months. So all these guys happen to be 72 years old something's going on 
What if uh, this is just a little fantasy scenario? So I got a couple different options. What if him and Vrabel just switch spots? So Vrabel goes to the Pats, Belichick takes over the Titans. Just kind of say like, hey, you know, not really working on my end. Like, let's just kind of you know flip flop. Fair trade. And then and then two. What if he goes to the Raiders and then brings in Josh McDaniels as an OC? See, I saw that somewhere too. How that would be something. That would be that would something. be something. That would be that's bigger than Vance something. Joseph coming back to Denver. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think Bill's obviously going to be really strategic about this. It, not like coaches aren't generally thinking through all this, but I think in in his situation, um, like you mentioned, he's got the all time wins, and I think that's going to be you know a huge motivating factor, and even coming back because you know I think there's still a slight possibility that he just calls it and retires. But I don't know why you would when you're that close and you become, you know, the winningest coach of all time. And then, too, you know, my mind kind of goes to it's like the guy's got to be kind of careful. If he goes somewhere else and, you know, puts together another six-win, seven-win season, really struggling, you know, and depending on the quarterback situation, you know, that Brady, was it Brady, was it Belichick? That conversation has already started a few years ago. And I think Belichick hearing about, you know, when him and Brady kind of parted ways, when Belichick was kind of ready to move on and, you know, Robert Kraft said, no, you know, Brady, we got to keep Brady. And so I think Belichick has that pride to him where I think he wants to, um, you know, kind of solidify like, hey, I was obviously, you know, a big part of that. And I think he was. I think it's a little bit, you know, kind of over the top to say, it was all Brady versus all Belichick. I mean, obviously they both played their huge roles. Um, you look at the early Super Bowls and how good that defense was, you know, and then Brady really gets into his prime. So obviously both of them had huge roles in it, but uh, he's got to be careful. I mean, I think it could be easily one of those things where if he goes and, and lays a dud for another couple of years, you know, people then start bringing up the Browns years again on him and all these things. It's like, okay, so you, you had the greatest quarterback of all time and you won some Super Bowls? Like, so, I mentioned the age. He's not. He's been around for a while. He's not stupid. Uh, he he knows what he's gonna want. He knows where he's gonna want to go. And I'm sure he's got a lot of leverage uh, with with his career and his stature with with the NFL and what what he's done. So it's very intriguing to see because that's also changing up the landscape of things too. When it comes to Seattle, I think you know Dan Quinn seems like the obvious answer. Just going back, and you mentioned the the Pete Carroll shadow more or less that is going to continue to be in the front office. Uh, we don't know what his exact role is going to be. They they're they're saying some sort of advisory role, but I don't know how you know how much that really entails in terms of how much input and how much he's going to have hands-on stuff in, in the organization but Dan Quinn seems like the one he he's the the creator more or less of the Legion of Boom he was a defensive coordinator he he went off became a head coach didn't do so hot found himself back as a DC maybe Seattle's the way just because of that connection there I don't know what really where to go with Seattle I I I'm I haven't really it's hard for me because it's not necessarily a, a destination per se, but they do have a really strong young roster that could be interesting, and they, you know, are, are a playoff team. There's no doubt about it. It's just about winning a few few games go in a different direction, and you know they're in the playoffs and probably at a pretty decent seed. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's a coaching sort of thing. Do you remember what the details of Geno's contract were? It was like a two or three year contract, but I can't remember if there was an opt out. I don't know off the top of my head. We can look it up, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking 
you know, I don't think that should play a role, right? Because, uh, again, I don't think it was a big enough deal where if a new coach comes in, it's one of those things where he's automatically glued to Geno because of the contract. I don't think that's a situation. No, and I think they did um, the contract smart in a way to where I don't think they're tied on for too long for sure. Um, I think they wait, wanted so they to— didn't, they didn't extend him without watching him play for millions and hundreds of millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, they didn't I, think do that? They were, I think they were just giving him his flowers, man. I think, that, okay. I think that's what that contract is. Just giving Gino his flowers. Now, did he deserve no. it? I don't really know. I don't really think he did, but I don't think it was astronomical. It's a lot of money, but no, I was making a reference to the Broncos extending Russ without seeing a single snap. Oh, you know, you know, there's that too. And how about Russell Wilson going up to Seattle last night? To, I guess it was a surprise that he. It was a surprise that he's you know a surprise a uh, a reencounter re, you know re, relationship rebuilder in in Seattle and he went and it was, you know seemed to be all happy news but but how about that I mean is there are there any rumblings there you know could could there be something there I don't know the prodigal son returns wow we I mean and and how much how much success could he have if he goes back at his age I mean. Sure, I'm sure if you're a Seattle fan, you're like, yeah, sure, I'd take Russell back. I mean, I would, but you got to look at the future again. This whole Geno Smith, are you really setting yourself up for failure doing that? I don't know. I think Bill Belichick to Atlanta and then Russell Wilson kind of following there, that seems almost like a, a, a little miniature match made in heaven. That would be something. Actually, that would be, oh my gosh. If you think Sean Payton and Russell Wilson didn't get along, could you imagine Belichick and Russell Wilson? <laughs> Dude, he'd make him delete his social media. <laughs> Russell no would be a new personality, man. Russell would be a whole new guy. The Mr. Yeah. Unlimited. Like, he would be very, very cut clean. That would be insane. Yeah. So, that's kind of my gut feeling. I don't see Russell Wilson actually coming back to Seattle. And I don't see – here's the key part of this. I don't think John Schneider, general manager of Seattle, wants Russell Wilson back there. Yeah, it's all kumbaya and maybe Russell's doing his marketing pitch, you know, as he does, his campaign where he campaigns and does well, his Well, he wants know, to feel included. He wants right? to feel included because yeah. the Denver locker room, who knows what the heck's going on in that locker room with the coaches, front office, the teammates, who knows what's going on there. But very interesting on that front. But who knows? I mean, Seattle's kind of up in the grabs. Now, Alabama. Emma. A lot of rumblings there of who takes on the king of the castle. And we heard Dan Lanning from Oregon. He shut that down real quick. Proud to be an Oregon Duck. Good for you, Mr. Dan Lanning. He used to be a graduate assistant at Alabama, uh, but it seems like he has got a good thing in Oregon. And you know what? I think he does have a good thing in Oregon. And when we and we're going to mention it, honestly, every time we talk about college football, I think I'm at least going to mention it, 12-team playoff. There are eight extra teams going to the playoffs. I think Oregon is a shoe-in. If there was 12 teams this year. So why wouldn't Dan Landing stay? Good for you, Dan. There are rumblings of Dabo Sweeney. Would Alabama brass and their fans really want Dabo Sweeney to lead their no. squad? I saw a video last night. Um, a bunch of fans were huddled around. I think it was Nick Saban's. Does he have a statue already? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell in the background if it was actually his statue or not. But there was a bunch of fans there, and they were chanting anyone but Dabo. So I think that tells you pretty quickly, like, they, they don't have any interest in that. Um, and Alabama's and yeah, a place know. that if their fans are doing that, they're going to listen. Right. Oh, big time. And, yeah, that's where it's like, I don't think you could get the boosters to sign off on that. Um, 
But yeah, it's I mean, it's a sexy job, that's for sure. It's Bama, right? I mean, you could grab a guy that's not even that good at recruiting and it, it doesn't really matter a whole lot because it's Bama. Now, I, I'll tell you this. I think obviously it's one of the most attractive jobs that have been available for a long, long time. But at the same time, being the guy to take over after Saban, I would not want that spot. And I'm I'm man enough to say it. I don't, I don't want any part of that smoke. Zero interest in that. That is not a job you want. I mean, Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach in, in the history of college football. He He's won seven national championships, six at Alabama. I mean, he, he I mean, every year, I mean, why do we get sick of talking about Alabama? Everyone's like, I'm so glad, so glad Alabama's not in the, in the playoff anymore. Well, th- th- that's exactly why, because he has run the show for that many years. Other names that have popped up, Steve Sarkeesian of Texas. I'm not really feeling that one. I'd be shocked if Steve was interested, but another guy that has been on staff uh, of, of the Alabama, of, for, on Nick Saban, for Nick Saban, there's... One to me that is an absolute 100% home run hitter, and you got to go get this guy. And he, again, another guy that was in the Alabama system before, which I think is a plus. And two, to your point, Brandon, about someone that can actually take on the role of being Nick Saban's predecessor. And yep, if you're listening, you probably guessed it. It's Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss. I don't see any reason how he unless he says no how that job should not be Lane Kiffin's job the the fit in the way he would be able to handle the boosters handle the media handle recruits handle the success handle the pressure that comes with what he's about to take over what that coach whoever it ends up being is going to take over Lane Kiffin to me is the perfect man for the job and he's got the toughest skin of anyone and I think recruiting, I think success, I think that's all going to come. We've seen what he's done being head coach at multiple different universities. I love Lane Kiffin. I think he's the guy. You got to go get him. Outside of that, I'm not really sure. It's like, for me, it's Lane Kiffin or bust. <laughs> well, and I think a major difference, too, you know, in regards to Lane, if you look at, um, you know, Sark or even Dan Landing, it's like those guys right now are – have a very successful program going. I mean, Sark was just in the playoff. Oregon, if they beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship, you know, depending on how things go, maybe squeak into the playoff too, where, you know, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin hasn't really got over the hump with them. I mean, you know, yeah, they have some exciting times a couple times a year. They score points, this and that, but I think for him – he doesn't have that same thing as maybe a Sark would of like, ah, man, I could go, but I got this good thing going with Texas, and you know, I just don't want to try to start start new and start fresh again. To where Lane, I mean, he's been at Ole Miss for a little bit now. I think that's a really good fit. Um, I think he'd be kind of a fun, you know, refreshing, maybe not refreshing, but just a little bit of change <laughs> of pace, you know, in regards to his personality to Nick Saban, obviously. You know, Lane loves himself, some social media, knows how to work it. Um, really funny guy. So, yeah, I think, and again, like you said, he's got the history there. So I think that's that's a good one to choose. And if you're Bama, um, I think, yeah, you go after him. And like I said, I don't, if you're Lane, I don't know why you say no. I mean, because, again, it, it's, it's still Bama. And I know Saban carried so much weight, but until Bama goes on a five-year run of mediocrity, like, it's Bama. You know, it's it's going to get – guys there no matter who the coach is 
I mean, you know, because they got deep pockets too. Again, NIL is a big part of this. They got money there. You know, there's two names that I don't think the media has brought up yet, and I'm curious to see how how likely, compared to all the other names we've talked about, and that's the key here. It's not how likely that person specifically is going to get the job. How likely is it compared to all these other names, Dan Lanning's, the, even Kalen DeBoer of Washington has popped up in some names even, Dabo Sweeney, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, other people have said his name too. You know, how, you know what's the deal here of uh, what's the possibilities here of of Deion Sanders jumping ship? I know he's vocalized pretty passionately the loyalty. It, you know, they're not bringing up these names, but these days anyone can be poached from anywhere. You know, Deion Sanders and another name, Jim Harbaugh. Is, is it would he be interested in? Leading that, how how powerful and how, you know, I don't know what the word is, how much of a royalty team program is Alabama compared to everybody else? And that's kind of what I don't know for sure because, you know, if Michigan's up there with Alabama, then why would Jim Harbaugh leave? And now with the 12-team playoff, it's pretty much an open field. And I would say the same thing for Deion Sanders. But, again, me and you always go back to when we talk about Alabama and we start doubting them, we end the sentence with, oh, it's Bama. So what you know, what would stop someone like Jim Harbaugh or Deion Sanders leaving their spot currently for this now kind of surprising open spot? Yeah, I think with the Harbaugh thing, you know, him going to Michigan and now being at the top, and this is assuming that he doesn't end up leaving for the NFL, right? Because sure, that sure. still hasn't really been right. The Chargers, one way or another. the Chargers seem to be pushing hard, but nothing's happened yet. Right, but so if you're Harbaugh and you're going to stay at the college level, I think you more see it as an opportunity that Saban's out, and you say, okay, me and my alma mater, we're coming off a natty. Why don't we become the new Bama? You know, and you try to build it that way. Um, and, you know, the Dion thing, I've been saying this from day one. And, I, and again, I know he's he's been a lot more outspoken about how he wants to retire in Boulder and be here forever. I'm still just so nervous, especially with a school like Bama. You know, they could hand him a blank check and say, Dion, whatever you want. And, I mean, that's tough to compete with, no matter how much Dion says he loves Boulder and he loves his new house and he loves the Flatirons. <laughs> that's, that's something where, again, it's Bama. You know, if you're at home, start getting the counter going for how many times you say it's Bama. It's Bama. But it's it's one of those things where they could just give him a check. Because, you know, I before this season, I was still kind of convinced it'd be, you know, maybe one or two years and Dion would be gone because I was just waiting for a school like Miami or he already made it kind of clear that he wouldn't, didn't want to go back to Florida State. But, um, you know, just some school like that, they just, again, they just hand him a blank check and say, you know, we'll give you a key to the city. And so the Dion thing, I think, is, I don't know, when I say more likely, maybe, you know, more likely from zero, sure. But the Harbaugh <laughs> thing, I, I would struggle with that. If Harbaugh left for Bama, that's one of those things. It's like, man, you, you could build the same thing at Michigan. You just proved it. You just beat Saban. You just beat Bama. You can be the new cream of the crop. And so that, but yeah, those, dude, it's going to be crazy. And again, I think, 
They got to move fast on this. The transfer portal's nuts. Shadur's already doing his recruiting. He's tweeting out, hey, Alabama players, tap in. You know, it's one of those things like if you drag your feet on this, if you're Alabama, you might start losing some guys. So it'll be it'll be interesting how swiftly they move and, and what kind of name they land. Well, that's the key. You know, we've heard stories of Nick Saban after winning the national championship that the next day he's on a recruiting trip. Like we've heard these stories before. So we it's very clear that that Alabama's losing time every second that passes. And I would be shocked is if out of the three teams that we've been talking about, the New England Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, and Alabama Crimson Tide, I would be shocked if Alabama's not the first one to find their new guy, their new leader. And I'm telling you, man, Lane Kiffin, that'd be a show. That'd be a lot of pressure and a lot of a lot of uh you know, a lot of expectation is going to come and a lot of eyes are going to be watching, but I, I think the guy can handle it. And Bama's still Bama, yeah, until they're not. And you know, that's going to, yeah, I think you put a good number by it, about five years, if they do it consistently for that long and then just kind of die down. Yeah, sure, that then they might then they might not be Bama anymore. But I, I, I see that hard to believe with how the landscape of college football and how it all works nowadays and how much money is being thrown around. You know, coaches come and go, you know, players come and go, but boosters stay forever. <laughs> and that money, that money's not going anywhere, man. That that money's going to be right there. And if they want to throw money and get what they want, get who they want, I think they will. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes with Alabama. So a lot of big things happening there. You know, I want to transition a little bit to college basketball real quick and and it's almost like college basketball knows like that the college football season is over and that you know we got now it's time to give the people what they want in one day Brandon the number one team the number two team the number three team and the number five team all got upset on the same day UConn survives I don't know what we would call it Black Wednesday because that was an ugly day for top teams in in college basketball and so UConn survives but Houston goes Purdue goes down Houston goes down Kansas goes down and why am I spacing on who's number who's number five that went down why can't I think of who's number five? Number five. Sorry, I'm forgetting your name. Seemed to be a very forgettable team. But well, they lost, so it doesn't matter. Well, they lost, so it doesn't matter. So the craziness of college basketball, I mean, how much of a treat are we in for March, man? Yeah, it, it was Tennessee, by the way. Tennessee lost to Mississippi State. That's right. Um, yeah, that definitely gets you being in for March real fast. And like I said, yeah, it went from zero to 100. And again, you know, you start playing conference games on the road it's so hard to win on the road i don't you know it doesn't matter if you're playing a good team if you're a good team winning on the road in college basketball is tough um i mean you look at obviously not to the it wasn't an upset but if you even look at cu last night it, up well, 19 i would at one consider point that on an upset i'd consider that an upset a cow's not good well yeah correct it, but not obviously to the level sure. of, of these other ones but yeah i mean it just goes to show how hard it is i mean you have a you have a near perfect first half, both on the offense and defense side of the ball, and then guys just come out smoking hot from three, and just like that, you blow a nineteen point lead. So, it's one of those things. Yeah, it, it got, it got the juices flowing. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and it's gonna be we're in for a treat, and and 
you know, like you said, I think that's a great example. You know, teams that are probably going to be on that bubble that are fighting for a good seed so they get a, a good path to the championship, you know, those teams that are fighting for that and not necessarily shoe-ins and, and those things are kind of very important. You know, yeah, losses for that, for CU, are, are, are extremely big. And, and if you go 40 miles north, it's the same deal for CSU. And those games that they lost on the road – you know, are, are are you know thankful that they're on the road, but you know they're they're coming right back to your house and they're gonna want to beat you again. And you got that target on your back with the number, and you sell out Utah State and you sell out Boise State, and and everyone's feeling you. And then and then you kind of feel not as big as you once were. And so these games and conference play is as brutal as it gets. I will give a shout out to the Northern Colorado Bears winning in overtime today, and they're two and zero. In conference play. Big win. So outside of Air Force and CSU and CU kind of struggling a little bit in conference play to start, the UNC Bears are 2-0. Shout out Bears. Look out, Big Sky. You know, it's been a while since the Bears are in it, but I think college basketball is in a better place when the UNC Bears are in the tournament. I think a lot of people would agree with that. I (laughs) think it's an absolute shoo-in. So, yeah, shout out UNC Bears. You know, hopefully they're – they're enjoying their their. I think they Montana Montana State tonight, but they almost dropped a hundred, and they won in overtime. I saw that, but they played one of the Montana schools tonight. So, again, good job Bears. Keep it up. Love 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 to see what they're doing because they're nine and six overall. So obviously not the greatest start to a season when you're looking at it. But for a team like that, conference play is huge. Yep, and you got the you got the resume builder quote unquote good loss to CSU <laughs> early on in the season. The, it was a twenty-point loss, but you know, it was good. you know, if if CU kind of keeps this up, the Bears losing to CU might be a a bad loss. That pretty much won't do anything for them. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Pretty much always the big sky. You always got to win the, the conference tourney. They rarely get a at-large bid, but you know, they get one. They'll get one. That's for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, college basketball, I mean, it's in a strong place right now, and college basketball is like, extremely fun to watch, and uh, the atmosphere is conference play. It's going to be it's gonna be extremely tight. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see. I think UConn definitely going to be the number one team next week with them being the only one to kind of win. I mean, I'd be surprised if they if they didn't allow that to happen. So, curious to see. And in, in a sense for CSU dropping down to 17, these a lot of these ranked teams losing around them helps their cause to maybe they'll last another week in the rankings, which means they'll likely last two more weeks, which will continue their record of how many weeks they've been ranked. But they have Air Force and UNLV next week, which at home, which should be, uh, a couple of wins to keep them on that ranked path and hopefully help the standings a little bit. But a huge game in the Mountain West tomorrow night, Friday night, Boise State at Nevada. Nevada's 15-1. and one. Uh, Boise State starting off on top of the conference. So huge game in the Mountain West tomorrow. And I think, you know, the Mountain West is going to be slept on. And, and, and I think right now they have three ranked teams. I believe uh, Utah State cracked in there and then San Diego State and CSU. There's some potential there, so curious to see how that battle is because Mountain West could be as vicious as it comes when it comes to conference play. Yeah, and after, I mean, the uh, kind of the rule of thumb was always that, you know, Mountain West teams would never get past the second weekend or actually even the, just the first weekend, the second round. Uh-huh. Um, and then San Diego State kind of put that to bed last year, so um, I'll still be betting against them. So I bet against San Diego State every single game last year, and that turned out really good for the wallet. 
<laughs> yeah, San Diego State uh, making it to the Final Four. What a what a year that was, and huge for just the Mountain West Conference as a whole. CSU plays them at the end of the month at home, and then they go to San Diego, I believe, in February sometime. So, uh, you know, looking forward there. NBA, you know, some crazy, cra- couple crazy things stood out to me today. So Kyrie Irving dropping 44 tonight for the Mavericks. So shout out Kyrie, balling out, doing Kyrie things with Luka Doncic out. New York, kind of a good spot for New York there to kind of take the Mavericks. And, and they were down by... 18 or at the end of the first quarter and and then they ended up only losing by four I mean they were down double digits most of the game shout out Kyrie Irving but the one I want to shout out is the potential team of the year maybe coach of the year we'll talk about that next week the Oklahoma City Thunder winning by 62 points Brandon 62 points final score 139 to 77 the Oklahoma City Thunder won by 62 points. The fifth, fifth. I, I, that's what blew my mind even more. It's the fifth largest margin of victory in NBA history. I haven't had the chance to look up what, and as I'm talking about this, I got the highlights on my TV right now from this game, which I have not seen yet. It, I, I'm surprised that it's only the fifth. 62-point margin of victory, and it's fifth all time? Yeah, that's insane. You don't, I mean, what are the Blazers telling themselves? It's like, man, how did we just let Dame go? How did we never like try harder to get that boy some help? Leading score, fourteen points for the Blazers. Yeah, that'll that's bad, man. Chauncey's just not. Mm. Chauncey's not cutting it there. Unfortunately, Chauncey Billups is turning into Brian Shaw, and I hate to say that. Yeah, it's a rough look. Yeah, you know, losing Dame, it was kind of, uh, you know, it was almost bound to happen. And I, it, what frustrates me is how much they kept BSing everyone that he was just going to stay there. And that includes Damian Lillard. That includes him himself. Keeps saying that he was going to stay there. Very, very, I just, and the poor franchise is now in shambles. And, and what's his name? Scoot, Scoot Henderson. He's, he's awful. So, so I have the, the largest margins of victory in the NBA, in NBA history. Number one, the difference was 73 points. The Memphis Grizzlies were the winning team. Can you guess the losing team? Hold on. Let me Google it real quick. I'm just kidding. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. It was just, it was 2021, very recently. 73 points? 73 points. In 2021. 2021. Eastern Conference or Western Conference? Western Conference. Did that team make the playoffs that year? Do you remember? That losing team. Oh, there's no chance. I can look. The Broncos almost did. (laughs) Nice little dig there. Okay. Because oh man, it's good. It's I'll give you a hint. It's it's very ironic. Very ironic. Seventy three points. Western Conference team. I'm just gonna s- say it because you're asking me to guess it. Was it the Lakers? No, it's the Thunder. No kidding. There's the irony because the Thunder won by sixty two tonight. Wow. Wow, the Thunder. Wow, look how far they've come, huh? 
Yeah, what a turnaround. Give it up for the Thunder, man. I look for the Broncos to score 70 next year. Well, let's figure out who we're having a quarterback for. Jared Stidham. He's got it. Yeah, and then a lot of the other ones, at least in the top five, uh, you have the Lakers beating the Warriors back in 72 by 63. Great year. You got the Pacers beating the Trail. Oh, man, the Trailblazers just all over this list. The Pacers <laughs> beating the Trailblazers by 65 in 98. And then the Cavaliers beating the Heat by 68 in 91. Wow. We. Here's another weird thing. So, well, I guess we're in January now. I was still thinking it's December. Um, but a lot of these, so two of them, two of them happened in December, one in January and one in February. So we always kind of joke about how no one cares about NBA basketball in the middle, of, you know, until playoffs. And I think that kind of tells the story about that. This is why. This is why the game's off. I mean, to add on to it, the Suns crushed the Lakers from start to finish. They end up winning by 27. I'm sorry. They had 127. They won by 18. The Bucks won by 33 against the Celtics. And uh, you had the Cavaliers pretty much controlling the Nets all day in Paris uh, earlier today. So it's just, yeah, not, not a pretty time to be playing basketball. And no one really cares. And no one really is trying that hard. I mean, look at the Denver Nuggets against the Utah Jazz last night. I mean, that was a start-to-finish ugly game, but it's January, right? So no one's really in that mood of of caring. And I think it's almost like a unanimous decision by players in the league to be like, you know what, we're going to just take these couple months off and, you know, we're going we're gonna to be cool with it. But either way, yeah, I mean, the NBA, kind of uh, kind of hard to watch at times, but what what a night in terms of some crazy numbers in the NBA, which is sometimes what you'll see with how lack of defense there is. So, you know, what a, what a, what a day that will live for infamy for trailblazers, but it sounds like they've had many of those days. So yeah, give them two more years and they'll be on the losing side of it again. (laughs) But the blazers did win on the Lakers first game after Kobe died. So they got that for them to kind of rest on. Good for the Trailblazers. <laughs> something, something for the Trailblazers fan to take home. Yeah, you know, for those, you know, what, like, what do you think there's more of, Clipper fans or Trailblazer fans? And I think Clippers because of LA, but still, no, like Clipper well, fans or Trailblazer say, fans. Yeah, because you got to share. You're splitting, and it's not like LA splitting half. Half of Clipper so fans are gotta, paid anyway, so I think yeah, probably the Trailblazers. They're the only thing up there. Yeah, there's no, there's not even the Sonics to kind of draw their attention away from that. Yeah, isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say the Clippers have uh, have fans, but they might starting next year with their new stadium, and and uh, it'll be a cool place to check out. I guess every single seat will have a charger plug in in it. So I like that in theory, but would you ever remember like you're leaving for the game? And you're like, oh, yeah, I got to bring my charger to the game. Well, then I wonder, like, with how much money they spent, like, are they cutting corners there? Like, you got to put a plug in. You got to put, like, small, like, multiple, like, a USB-C and an iPhone and, like, multiple, like, little small cables popping out. Like, you got to put them, like, built in, right? Like, you can't cut corners like that if you're the Intuit Dome, Steve Ballmer. Well, well, on the charger, 
I mean, the charger size and shape changes every two years anyway. So, yeah, th- those will be obsolete by 2025. Yeah, because if you're expecting fans to remember to bring their chargers, like, come on, Steve. If I'm sitting at the 300 level and there's a guy next to me who brought his charger, it's like, dude, just stay home. Like, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, do you think it's a 100 level only type of thing? Probably is. I don't know. It's just like, what? do you really need your, your phone that bad? And again, like, think ahead, brother. You're an adult. Like, charge your phone. Yeah, I kind of like the, the thrill of, you know, walking into cores with a 26% phone battery. And then, well, you know, you got, fiance's you like, did you charge yourself. your phone? And I'm like, yes, with the smirky emoji. And then, like, let's see where the night goes. And then, you know, I like the thrill. Gotta, yeah, you pace yourself. You start thinking ahead. It's like, okay, are we going to, did we Uber here? Are we going to have to Uber back? Are we going to go out for a drink afterwards? Am I going to need my phone to get an Uber for that? What's the late night action? You know, how many, you, you start kind of like calculating, okay, so I can send three Snapchat videos, post one IG story, and, you know, no FaceTimes, can't FaceTime the cousin of, you know, hey, someone just hit it 454. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Why are the Clippers trying to take away the thrill in my life? This is what the Clippers do, right? You watch a Clipper game and it's like uh, the thrill has gone. And no interest. Yeah. Have zero interest. Cool. You got Billy Crystal as your fan. I'm so proud of you, Clippers. Are the Clippers bad for the NBA? You know, probably. Probably, man. <laughs> Jeez. Like Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, my goodness. People, you know, I remember back in the day. I don't know how back in the day it was. It seems it feels recently, but like there was totally a guy that was like, why, why, why is there a rivalry between the L.A. teams? I mean, they're the same city. Why don't you share some cohesiveness? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Go leave. Like, you cover up the banners when you play in the stadium. Like, no one asked you to do that. Well, and then also, like, what rivalry? Like, that's never been a rivalry. <laughs> we have to go oh, yeah. clear across the country to find our rival, man. Literally. Like, different conference and everything. Like, that. that's never been a rivalry. Sacramento is a bigger f- rival than the Clippers. Golden State's becoming that nowadays, too. Well, at least because, you know, back in the day with Kobe, like the Kobe years, like, yeah, they'd play the Kings in the playoffs. It's like the Clippers were never there. No, the the Kings were legit, man, with Bobby Jackson, Mike Bibby, Steve uh, Steve Weber, Chris Weber. I mean, he, <laughs> I was way off. It, you know, I, I that team was legit. Doug Christie, Scott Pollard, who was the coach? Rick Adelman was the coach. Man, that's childhood days, and, and they honestly got screwed out of a championship, maybe. You know, in that it game did. six, you know, and then people at Kobe was like, yeah, you got to play game seven. It's like, well, you know, that's true. But who says the refs were good in game seven? So, you know, it's really tough to feel that. But where are the Clippers doing all this, huh? Where were the Clippers? With Chris Kamen? I mean, I just I can't with the Clippers. Elton Brand? I mean, what is, what, who, who are the Clippers? And then Blake Griffin? Flake Griffin? I just, you know, I just came up with that. That's not bad. Flake, right off the top, Flake Griffin off the top, man, as top as you how, can get. How scary was a person that came and was like that guy? Would just looked terrifying, kind of goofy, kind of scary at the same time. No, if you walk, if you walked into my front office of the school, man, like I'm, I'm calling somebody, calling the yep. authorities, big time. Like, there's no doubt about it. Chris Kamen's not a dude. I would rather have Chris Birdman Anderson walk in than Chris Kamen. And Birdman no. Anderson's not the most I'm just saying, you know, for other reasons, either. I don't know if you want him around a school, you know, <laughs> with all the issues that he had. But that's just that's for another. I think day. he came out on the good side of it, man. I think he it was did. like, he yeah, did. I think it was like Duke lacrosse, man. I think he came out on yeah. the right side of it. 
You know? I th- I Check think, out that 30 for 30 if you're ever interested. Oh, my gosh. What a twist and turn that is. My goodness gracious. It's like you know what's going to happen, but then you don't know what's going to happen. And that one's that one's a top-notch one. Yeah, the Duke lacrosse 30 for 30. I mean, if you, you know, and, and look, you got to be a little older. So, if you know, any of these youngins that might be listening, do not watch it. But, you know, if you're an older cat, you know, if you're a youngin, ask your parents. All right, let me put it that way. <laughs> ask, ask your parents. Mom might say no. Dad might say yes. That's kind of how that would go. And then, you know, but, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very, uh. I, I, the Clippers doing this. I'm glad they're getting their own stadium. I'll say this. I'll say that. I'm very glad that they're getting out of the, the crypto.com arena, getting out of Staples and getting their own place. And uh, they can kind of, you know, cover up their own banners there, <laughs> you know, by not having any. Well, and I understand it from how expensive stadiums are nowadays, but it, it is still crazy that there's so many teams sharing stadiums. Like, that's just bonkers to me. Especially like New York Jets and Giants. I'm like, come on, what are we doing out there? And you guys play in New Jersey. Yeah. That throws me off, man. And then like the 49ers play like an hour and a half away. I mean, Santa Clara is pretty far from San Francisco. They don't play in San Francisco. You know where the Denver Broncos play, Brandon? In Denver. They try to. In the heart of Denver. Like as Denver as you can get. That's where they play. It's like, I don't get these stadiums going. It's like, well, that's where the population is. No, that's where the rich people are. And that's because you that's because you have to pay off your stadium. That's why you're building it there, guys. Building it in Silicon Valley. Come on. I mean, the Warriors had the, had the guts to build a stadium in the m- middle of downtown San Francisco. Good for them. They went from Oakland to the middle of San Francisco. That, that property tax can't be, can't be good, that trade-off. No, no, I think as, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably pumped, new facility and all that, and yeah, then you get the tax bill, and you're like, why, wait, why did we do this again? And it's like Steph Curry's like, we need to trade everybody. And then well, guess what? The, That's what's happening. Apparently, everyone's on the table except Steph. So, so, so we'll Steph's see. the GM now, huh? So this whole led LeBron-led GM thing, it's not just LeBron, huh? It's all, they're all GMs, right? So Steph Curry runs the show, huh? I knew you'd tie it back to LeBron. You know, everything, I knew it. everything's LeBron's fault. It's all LeBron's fault. We've talked about this. I think episode two, we talked about it. I think it, it might have been titled. I think I think the episode was LeBron titled. LeBron is the blame. He, it's, everything's LeBron's fault. I blame LeBron for everything. And so now look, look at Steph Curry thinks he's a GM. Dude, no, stop. Like, you're not. Like, why don't they're you worry bad. about the houses that they're building around your neighborhood, huh? Why don't, why don't you worry about those kinds of things and not worry about who's on your team? Because, bro, he ain't doing that hot either. I mean, yeah, he's Steph Curry, but, like, what is he, – he, he, let me put it this way. What Steph Curry changed the game more than really any player in recent history. He Like, you watch how basketball is played. He has changed the game. But when you talk about a guy that makes the players around him better – when has Steph Curry really made players around him better, in my opinion? I don't, I don't know. I think he has used his teammates to make him better, which is no problem at all because it's come out with team success. It's come out with dual success. But, but when we talk about guys like LeBron and Luka Doncic and, and guys like that, like and, Jokic. And, Nicole, and Jokic, yes, thank you. It, it's, it's, you know, those guys are ma- literally making guys around them better. Is Steph Curry really doing that? It literally popped into my head just now, and I'm like, I don't – see that so what does he have the right to be i'm the guy and everyone can be traded no steph curry you should be on the trading block too well if you're the warriors again what 
unless if you really think, you know, depending on how bad this year goes, maybe they get, you know, a lottery pick. I don't see him being that bad. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so you keep him around. You know, kind of a similar to a Kobe situation, you know, when they signed Kobe just out of loyalty and, you know, they made that guy just suffer through the last few years with the Lakers just with nothing around him. It's like, okay, Warriors, you keep Steph being loyal to Steph, but, you know, he's just going to be miserable the last few years. I mean, like, if he's in the right. same situation, if the, you know, if the win-loss record's similar at this time next year, hey, if you're Steph, why are you not wanting to get out? Because you got to think he can still he can still play, especially with, you know, his style of play. It seems like his ankles have been holding up way better than they had in, at the beginning of his career. So it's like, dude, you got, you know, get on a winning team. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with him staying in Golden State and just losing and being miserable. No no skin off my back. I'm excited for the shakeup that might occur in the NBA as well. We're getting a lot of shakeup in the college football and, and NFL world. I'm very curious to see if the NBA t- tags onto that because you look at some big franchise that need to make some moves. The Golden State Warriors need to make some moves. The Los Angeles Lakers need to make some moves. And, and both of those teams have some pretty uh, – pretty big names on both of their rosters. So it's kind of like, okay, um, who, who who do we need to get out of here? And is it a situation where they're trading to each other? I don't really see that happening. But, yeah, both teams need to make something happen. Steph Curry kind of, I don't know if it was him, but in some way making it public. And so people are aware that everyone's on the table now except for Steph. And, you know, there's some pieces there. There are some pieces on that team. Clay might be serviceable to some people. I, I don't know who would really want – Draymond Green, I mean, I think it's a distraction at the, and he's not even that. What is he going to do for your roster? So I don't know what you're really going to get from trading Draymond Green. But a guy like Kaminga, he's he's a legit prospect. I think he he could make some noise on another franchise. But regardless, the Warriors are in shambles, and it's about time we're getting a lot of end of uh, some eras here. The Warriors era seems to be dying a little bit. The Alabama era might be ending for a while. The New England era has ended, but now it's officially ended and so a lot of lot of things changing it's the first NFL playoff since 1998 without Peyton Manning or Tom Brady in the playoffs so first time in 25 years that we haven't had either of those guys in the playoffs so you talk wasn't about wasn't Brady retired last year no he was in when the did playoff. Brady retire last year was his last season okay Again, feeling old, man. I don't know. Yeah. Add add memory loss to the high cholesterol thing. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot's going on. And speaking of the NFL playoffs, it is time for our NFL wild card picks of the weekend. Probably NFL's most exciting weekend coming into the first week of the playoffs, and we got some great matchups. Brandon, we did okay last week. We went five hundred. I I feel somewhat responsible for it. I I was not very good. You know, we we but nonetheless we didn't we didn't lose money. And if you hammered the Detroit Lions and you came out on top, and I made that the hammer play of the week, and that one hit, and so the Lions was a nice hit there. Uh, the under in the in the Jacksonville Titans game was was over pretty early. The you know I screwed up on the Atlanta play. That was an ugly one. And you know what? Good for New Orleans putting it on them uh, at the end there. And I'm with Jameis Winston all the way, all the way on that call. You know what's wild? It's just the fact that they did it out of the victory formation. <laughs> That's the most like craziest thing. Like if Jameis and the team so like true. decided it, they're like, all right, boys, like let's line up, you know, in an I formation and just let's give it to Jamal and see if we can get it. Like they're like, no, like Jamal, be right by me. We're gonna line up for a <laughs> kneel. I'm just gonna sneak you the rock and you get your touchdown. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's like Arthur Smith can't be – he's the last guy that can be frustrated about anything. It's like, dude, you're a joke as a coach. You clearly don't know what you're doing. They didn't even wait till Monday to fire him, right? Didn't they fire him Sunday evening? I'm pretty sure. Yep. So, you know, and again, it, if you're the Saints coach, that had to be such an awkward – thing at midfield where he's just yelling at you and he's like well and he seemed yeah, to agree I, he seemed to agree no that's what i'm saying that, he's yeah. just like yeah dude I, I i didn't tell him to do that they just you know have you ever seen anything about Jameis winston's career I, I don't know how to control that guy but it's it's one of those things man you you play to the whistle it's like that south park bit you know i didn't hear no bell well the saints didn't hear the bell and they were even <laughs> ringing it as a coach, I got to commend the New Orleans Saints guy. I coach high school ball for a minute. I got to commend him for playing dumb. I'm calling such BS on that. You know how many times I've been approached? I've been approached a couple times in a midfield handshake being like, why'd you run that play? Why are you throwing it? And in high school ball, you're like, hey, I'm trying to get the kids reps. I'm trying to get my kids reps, man. I'm trying to get my JV guys some reps out here in this varsity game, man. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? All right, I'm just trying to get this all about the kids, right, coach? So I've been through that. And then at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you know, the coach comes up and then I'm like, I, I, I'm not the one calling the plays. And I feel like I, you know, as I, I totally am like, Dennis, you knew exactly what was going on, man. And if he truly didn't, you know, good, good, good for Dennis. And, and, you know, you got away with one, but come on, man, I've been there. You're not going to own up. You're like, you know what? You're right. That was wrong, coach. That was wrong. And you're going to be in the locker room and be like, Jameis. My boy. Well, I want to. I want a sideline camera view. Like, what, did he still have his headset on? Because that's <laughs> red flag number one. Could you imagine you know, he had his headset up. on while he's like handshaking Arthur? Like, oh crap, my bad. Sorry. Right. Got to take yeah. that off. Let's not. Yeah, it's like you know, if he took the headset off before they, you know, while they're in the huddle before they line up, then you could play stupid. It's like, dude, I have the headset off. I don't know what they're doing. But yeah, if the boy's still headset on, hands on his knees, just dialed in, you know what's happening. And again, it's Jameis, man. You send him out there. That dude's a wild card. You don't know what's going to happen. So the Saints end up winning that game. They give themselves a chance to make the playoffs, but they needed the Seahawks and the Packers to lose. The Seahawks needed the Packers to lose and to win. The Seahawks won. They kicked out New Orleans. New Orleans and the Packers ended up winning against the Bears to kick out Seattle. So we have a grand total of six games this week. I got three of them. Brandon's got three of them. We are going to hopefully keep our 500 and above streak going into next week with these six games. And we even have a Monday night playoff game this week. So really looking forward to that. We have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday football games, and they're all playoff games. And there's some matchups that you honestly aren't very used to talking about. And so that's, I think, another reason why this is exciting, because you have some you have some fresh blood here. We got some new teams that we can talk about. So first game on the list, this is my game that I'm taking Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. We have the Houston Texans taking on the Cleveland Browns. The Houston Texans are getting two points uh, under 44 and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. The total is at 44 and a half and the money line plus 114 for the Texans and minus 135 for the Cleveland Browns. I am going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to what I've been supporting the last handful of weeks and we're going to go with Houston covering at home now you're saying 
wow, you know, rookie rookie quarterback, and in this position, they don't really cover the spread, and you have a really, really, really strong defense in Cleveland, and maybe this is a bad way to start the playoff weekend, but I think this is an opportunity with the game being in Houston, C.J. Stroud having an opportunity to kind of prove himself a little bit more, uh, and, and that Houston defense to get a chance against Joe Flacco to maybe slow him down a little bit. I think the Houston defense is the key here. I think they're a little bit better than what people might – consider them to be and that first game that Cleveland played against Houston CJ Stroud was not playing and Cleveland kind of had their way with them but at the same time it's really hard to beat a team twice in one year so with that game being in Houston I like Cle I like Houston to cover the plus two book it that's a dicey game going against Flacco that's everybody's boy right now he's a trendy <laughs> he's a trendy bet trendy guy I love that. I think you're I think you're playing with fire. Yeah, he's done it before. We've seen that number of times. All I know is if you're Houston and you're down late, take the safeties, put them way back. Put them way back. If you think they're back far enough, move them back another 10 yards. Joe Flacco has a chance to make a run here and uh it'll be if he gets past if, Houston, trouble. If he does this again, trouble. I don't I don't think I put him in the Hall of Fame. And I think a lot of that was just hate. But I think I don't think he's necessarily a Hall of Famer. If this guy makes another run, is he the greatest playoff quarterback of all time? You could put him in that argument for sure. Unreal. If he wins the playoff game, if he beats Houston, I think he's a Hall of Famer. If he goes all the way to the AFC Championship game, top 10 playoff quarterback of all time. Now, does he lose, does he lose some credibility for winning Deshaun Watson a ring? How do we filter that in? Hey, you know, he's not doing it on purpose. The boy's just trying to win games. The boy's just trying to He was signed off the street, man. I bet he doesn't even know who Deshaun Watson is. That's crazy. I, it, dude, I dude's just, got five kids. He's Joe, got bigger things to worry about. He's just trying to go out there and throw the ball. He's going to be doing the, the same stuff when he's 50 years old and his kid's in high school and be like, hey, go deep, kid. Yeah, none of that five-yard out. I'm not here to do timing. No, and that's Run. the thing with Jay, Joe Flacco's legit is because he throws the ball downfield. I love a quarterback that throws the ball downfield. Man, I love it. Too many of these guys are throwing lateral, 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 check down, check down, check down. Check. Get your timing right and throw it downfield. Sounds like number three. Sounds like your boy. <sighs> Sounds like number two in Seattle, huh? Drew Locke, he throws the ball downfield. I'll tell you what. I don't remember seeing that, but. He you say so. Look, he never he never completed them in Denver. He threw it downfield, but it never completed. Okay, that's that's why that's why Mitch Trubisky ain't the guy. Okay, because he throws it downfield on fourth and one, but he doesn't complete it. Mitch is in the playoffs. I don't see Drew Locke in the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Mason Rudolph is starting. So how does that feel, Mitch? It's a good point. <laughs> Next game, Brandon. All right, so next game we got the Dolphins at Chiefs going to Arrowhead. And this play, you don't overthink it. <laughs> you go to your handy-dandy weather app, whether it's on Apple Weather, whether it's the Weather Channel. I don't know what Android people use. They still might read the paper for the weather. Not 100% sure. But you go, you search Kansas City, Missouri. You look at the weather at 6 o'clock Saturday evening, and you bet the under. It's going to be so cold. Reports are coming out that the wind chill will make it feel like negative 30. What is it, like dangerously the weather, cold? The weather service has officially said it's dangerously cold. What does that mean? 
it's dangerous. It was, it was, it's eight degrees outside. I took my dogs out in my sandals. Is that dangerously cold? That kind of feels dangerous. And dude, honestly, I'm such a baby when it comes to colds. Maybe that's where it is. I mean, negative 30 with the wind chill, that's, that's different. Uh, but like even today, man, I was freezing. Uh, a friend of ours, Tim Test, shout out Tim Test. You know, he's there. He's a great guy, does a lot of good things in youth sports. He's there saying, you know, cold doesn't bother me. He's out there just in a hoodie, rocking it. I'm in the house right now, man. I got sweats and a heavy jacket on. I hate the cold. So, again, this is a pick you don't overthink. You take the under. And there's also a little bit of backup where the Chiefs have been struggling. The Dolphins, they have yet to prove ever that they can take that offense on the road. So, I think I think that one, I think it's the under. It's the under. I know it's the under. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. The Denver Broncos are eleven and six. They're hosting a game. It's negative thirty wild card round against the Miami Dolphins. Are you going? You couldn't give me a free ticket to that game. No. What if it's the AFC Championship? Who are we playing? Mm, I'm gonna go with uh, Buffalo. I'm taking a team that's in the playoffs this year that has a chance to make it. Are my seats decent? You know what? That's up to your imagination. You're in the stadium. Okay. Free ticket. And you're not, no, you're not in a box. You're not in a suite. Okay. You're not in a club level. Say, so let me put it that way. You are sitting out with the other, you know, 8 90% of the people. All right. Free ticket. First row. No, I'd probably. All right. I'd have to pay. I'd pay $150 for a first row 50-yard line. I'm going to take it one step further. It's not the Denver Broncos, but it's your first ever chance to go to the Super Bowl. Same weather. You going? Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the obvious one, that's right? A, that's a bucket. That's a bucket. Right? So List it doesn't matter how down. cold yeah. it is. Now, they wouldn't. Yeah. I don't see them ever doing that. The last time they did that was Super Bowl 48, where they even almost tested the bad weather experience and that at least waited until the game was over, but they haven't done it since then. But yeah, I think, a you know, Super it's Bowl, funny. It's funny. Go. You brought up the Bronco suite. Um, the one time I did get to sit in club level at Invesco. Um, well, it was Invesco at the time. Uh, Broncos Seahawks Sunday night, real cold. My dad got, um, someone gave us free tickets to club level. One of Jay Cutler's like first coming out game where the Broncos kind of losing. And him and B. Marsh just started connecting with each other. Almost made a run. Al Wilson's last game. Great memory. Wow. Great memory. So just want to point that out. Al Wilson got, that was when he hurt his neck really bad. Had to get carried off. That was that game. No, that was that That game. was against the Seahawks, huh? Yep. Wow. Sunday night, the Seahawks were wearing, I think they were wearing the, no, because they couldn't have been in the all all dark blues because they were. They were likely in the whites, the older whites. Yeah. But yeah, one time I got to sit club level there, and it was it was perfect because me and my dad pretty much every like TV timeout or change of possession, it's like okay, back inside, regroup for a second, <laughs> and then let's go back outside and get through this. You know, it's funny. My first ever Broncos game was in 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 club level. It was against Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, I just remember the first play of a, of the game was like a sixty two yard run into the red zone for the Broncos, and like that, that everyone got instantly heated up. Like everyone was freezing. And then that play happened, and it was like, okay, we're here. Let's ball. So, yeah, you know, 
nothing beats a cold weather football game, man. That's why I ask, like, how cold is too cold? Because when you're around 50,000 other people that are doing it with you, I feel like it, it brings up the temperature a little bit. And you know what? I'm starting to rethink this a little bit. This will be my last little segue before we get back to the picks. Chiefs, Broncos, Patrick Mahomes, first start. That game was so cold. Free. The Broncos were awful. <laughs> I went, sat 500 level uh, for no reason. Yeah. Literally zero reason. We didn't but, know who Patrick Mahomes was. It was his first career start. They had clinched the playoffs already. Yeah, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just I'm just being I'm just grumpy because of the cold right I now. I think we yeah, go, so. man. You talk about playoff football. I think we're going. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think I'd go to that Minnesota Seattle game years ago. I'd go. I'm there. That one was cold, dude. Everyone's there with you. You're all freezing together. I think that's what does it for me. If you know, if I'm sitting out there in the cold by myself, you know, it's no fun. But if you're out there cheering on your team with a whole bunch of other degenerates out there and thousands of them, and we're all standing and sitting outside, and it's the playoffs. You know, if you leave with Blair Walsh missing a 19-yard field goal, that's a different story. But you know, it, 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 I think it's I think it's worth it. So of course, if it's different, if you know, if you know your team's gonna win, so. You know, on the off the off chance your team loses a playoff game and it's negative, feels like negative thirty outside. I'm good. So feels a little bit different walking back to the car. Yeah, we have another don't overthink it game. In my opinion, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. The key word here, the key name here is T.J. Watt. He is out. He is not playing. Pittsburgh. I don't know. You know, they kind of snuck in anyway. I mean, are they, should they even be in the playoffs? I don't even know if they should even be here. They snuck in with some help. And so, and they beat a backup Ravens team by a touchdown. And, you know, they're all going kumbaya over it. Buffalo's hot at the right time. That win against Miami really kind of stuck it, winning the AFC East, winning out. After losing in Kansas City, they won out the regular season and winning the division there, getting the seed that they wanting, hosting a game in Buffalo. Minus nine and a half. I think that's the play. Buffalo winning by 10 points. I think they win by two touchdowns. I don't see how Pittsburgh really stays in this game too long. And if they do, I think Buffalo kind of drags away on late in the game and gets a late touchdown to kind of put them over the double digits if it becomes a, a cover play that needs to happen. But again, a don't overthink a game. I think Buffalo's got this in the hand two score game for sure. I don't, yeah, even, I, I don't even I like need to that. look at the weather for that one. <laughs> no, I like that one. And again, I think yeah, I think the better chance of the back doors on the Bills side, uh, just because how limited the the Steelers are on offense. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, my second game, another total. So I got the under forty three in the Chiefs game, and then we're going over Packers Cowboys Sunday afternoon at Jerry's World over fifty and a half. I ragged on the Packers defense last week. Didn't really work out that well. I'm still ragging on their defense. But the <laughs> kicker is the Cowboys score at home. And I think they're going to be looking to light it up. It's the Cowboys. They're always trying to get up, you know, through that. You can't finish in the playoffs. You can't perform in the playoffs. I think they're going to be looking to make a statement. I think, you know, Jordan Love... Again, he's looked good at times. He's looked subpar at times. Um, that that Dallas defense, they have so many playmakers, but I don't think they really play up to what that, you know, what that roster looks like on the defensive side. So I, I think it's in a, you know, it's a spot where the Packers, you know, can score some points. And again, at fifteen and a half, 
if we can get 38 from the Cowboys, I mean, we're, we're right there. So it, it's not like it needs to be a, you know, a 35 to 31 type of game. Um, and again, it's, it's the Cowboys, the Packers. It, we talked about this last episode, but it always seems like no matter how many times coaches, rosters, whatever changes, you always kind of have to get over the hump. And for the Packers, for a long time, they've owned the Cowboys in the playoffs you know, at least in recent memory. And so I think, you know, I think they'll play well. They'll go into it and, yeah, over, over 15 and a half. I like it. The Cowboys are a different team at home, that's for sure. I don't know, you know, as it gets closer, I don't know how much the Packers have a chance of covering plus seven, but I think, you know, they. I think they have an opportunity here. Here's, if I'm scheming as the Packers defensive coordinator, I'm trying to take Micah Parsons out of the game. Take Micah Parsons away from that defense and tell me what you have. I don't know. I know Demarcus Lawrence is legit. Deron Bland is legit. I know they got some guys out there, but the impact that Micah Parsons makes makes on the field compared to everyone else, take Micah Parsons out of the game. I think Green Bay has a chance here, but I like the 50-and-a-half pick. Um, I'm with you there. Next one for me, last one for me. This is kind of my play of the week, and, and maybe I'm overdoing it a little bit. I mean, Brandon's heard me say it a bunch so far, so maybe he's sick of me here talking about it, but I really like the Los Angeles Rams against the Detroit Lions. I think I'm going to go with the money line here. You know, the line is at plus three in, uh, in, in the Rams' favor, so they're giving the Rams three points, and they're plus 136 on the money line. Going to Detroit, I like the experience here. And this is typically, you know, I know we're new to this show, and we haven't gotten to talk much, but typically when I make these plays, this is how I this is how I make the play. I'm going by experience here, and I'm going by who's hot at the right time and who has more experience if it comes down to this kind of matchup. And Detroit has kind of trended downward over the last couple of weeks, a handful of weeks, and the Los Angeles Rams have done nothing but go up, up, and up, and trending up, and that defense is slowly starting to come together. Matt Stafford is coming into his stride a little bit. Who, 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 you know, which side of the, which quarterback is it more of a revenge game for? I don't know. You know, maybe for Jared Goff personally, because Matt Stafford ended up winning in the end and winning that coveted Super Bowl that he always wanted. But I think the Rams are hot. They have the roster to do it. They have the experience to do it. They have the coaching to do it. I know Dan Campbell has the culture and has the team playing for him. But schematically, Sean McVay is is some of the best uh, you can get in the NFL, maybe, you know, definitely in the league and, and maybe in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, he's, he could be in that realm. So I like the Rams money line plus 136 on the road. I think it's, uh, an upset that, uh, you know, may, may surprise some people. Cause I know a lot of people are high on Detroit. This might be a legacy game for the two guys talking podcast one, cause how high you are on the Rams and we also a few weeks back put Matt Stafford as the top five quarterback in the league. Whoa! So we could look really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't hate. I don't. I don't hate the pick. It, you know, you talk about um, Sean McVay. I mean, I don't know if ser- serviceable might be a little bit extreme, but I mean Carson Wentz threw two touchdowns last week for the Rams. I mean, we think that's that because of be, Carson Wentz. That's Sean McVay's resume right there. It, you know, if he ever is looking for another job, you know, you you scratch the Super Bowl, you scratch his success with the Rams. Is yeah, you know, I got Carson Wentz to throw two touchdowns. Week eighteen, twenty twenty three. Check it. 
against the Niners, against the top seed Niners. You don't have to talk about that the Niners were playing nobody, but like you just say top seed Niners. I'm with me you. and Carson Wentz. We beat them, and he threw two touchdowns. Love that. Yeah. Detroit hasn't been there in a while. I mean, LA's been there. You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of energy and a lot of emotions for Detroit. That, Are they going to be able to harness all that and play a football game and win a football game? I think LA is going to come in poised and ready and hungry. And and you know, you still got Aaron Donald. And so I'm like, you know, I you know, there's there's some trouble there. So curious to see, but I, I like the Rams. Well, that you mentioned the energy. That atmosphere is going to be electric. That sure stadium's is. going to be on fire. And yeah, does you know the lines come come in a little bit too amped up where. You know, you got a guy missing an assignment, trying to make a play or something. It, it could happen. And again, the Rams got dudes on offense too. You got Fuka, Cooper Cups. You know, Iron. Kyron Williams is beast. Tyler Higby's yeah. not a bad tight end. He can do a job if he needs to. No, oh, he's solid. Okay, so to round us up, I got the Monday night game: Eagles at Buccaneers. I'm taking the Bucks plus three. Maybe one of my kind of like uglier picks of the weekend doesn't feel good. It's one of those like you say it doesn't feel great in your gut. <laughs> but a couple things to it. Jalen's finger sounds like it's bugging him a lot. Didn't look in good the, the other day. No. And in the press conference this week, he was really, you know, short about it. He was, they were asking, you know, does it hurt when you throw? He goes, when you have a hurt finger, everything hurts. So, you know, and he was say, he, he was made it very clear that it's bugging him so the Eagles offense has already been struggling now you got a bummed up hurts and that defense for the Eagles is very suspect their secondary is very suspect and I think Mike Evans and Baker can just get you a couple big plays again we're not we're not saying the Bucks will win I'm not I'm not taking money on I'm taking the plus three so I think you know and, and that's one that might take it Earlier than later, because if that gets to two and a half, I don't know if I like it as much. You know, anytime you have that possibility of a push, you know, for a late field goal or something like that, that always feels good. But I almost might uh, buy yeah, the three buck. and a half. Yeah, just to get a win. Yeah. Now it, it'd be interesting because the plus three right now is at minus one fifteen. So plus three and a half might be a little bit right, you know, too juicy. But um yeah, like I said, it's it's a pick that I don't necessarily love, but uh I just think it's the play because you know, when you talk about trends and the teams that have kind of like found their way, the Eagles are another example, just like the Lions. They haven't played good football since really, what, like early October, mid-October type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you look at it, it's kind of like the eye test. You look at them and say, I don't, I don't think you can cover three on the road. You know, prove me wrong. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm not sold on the Buccaneers plus three yet, and I almost think that the Jalen Hurts injury thing is almost a, a ploy and trying to get them to maybe, you know, soften up a little bit and just be like, okay, yeah, we're not going to get the same Jalen. I, I don't know because he still has feet, and the guy can run pretty decently. Uh, you know, offensive line is pretty solid. Yeah, defensively they're struggling. I, it's hard for me to buy into Baker Mayfield. I mean, is he like Joe Flacco Jr. or something? Like, I don't know what to believe with Baker Mayfield. He sure has a shot if he wants to make a run here this playoffs. But, you know, that that defense for sure and the running game for, for the Buccaneers has been. And Mike Evans is Mr. Reliable. I mean, you talk about one of the most underrated receivers um, in this era of receivers. My, uh, you know, Mike Evans is definitely on that list. You know, definitely a guy that can get forgotten. 
think about the quarterbacks that he's had to deal with. You know, it's almost been worse than DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and, and this guy puts up thousand yard seasons year in and year out. So, but I'm just not sold yet. But at home, Bucks where they're at, Eagles where they're at, you know, I I, I, I don't hate it. I'm just not sold yet. So those are to round up our six wild card picks. Houston plus two against the Browns. Miami Chiefs under 43. Pittsburgh Buffalo. Buffalo minus nine and a half. Cowboys Packers, we're going over 50 and a half. Rams Lions, we're going with the Rams money line. Last but not least, the Buccaneers Eagles going plus three Buccaneers. So exciting weekend. Good luck to everyone if you're tailing. Good luck to you, Brandon. Hoping, uh, hoping we come out on top here. Fingers crossed. Real quick, do we think the Chiefs will beat the Dolphins? I'm not sold. I'm really yeah, not. And the only... The only reason I'm asking, because if if the Texans beat the Browns and the Chiefs, or no, well, you said the Texans win. Well, there goes Joe Flacco. I was thinking, you know, there is. If the I Chiefs said the Chiefs were going to cover plus, uh, the Texans were going to cover plus two. So okay, all right. So maybe maybe the Browns win one by out. one. Yep. Because we don't think the Steelers will win. If the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, Browns win. We got Browns Ravens second round. I love it. Sign me up. Yep. Sign me. Need up. it. I mean, you talk about storylines. Let's get one in the second round here, and you know, I and I'm root, I'm rooting on them Cleveland Browns that time around. I'll be rooting on Joe. Go in there and show them, show them what's good. They changed the whole team right in front of his eyes, and then got rid of him. Yeah. And then he's gonna come back. I think you do. I think you root for Joe, and it's not necessarily like an underdog story. It's one of those like oh I'm, I think, we're gonna make it one. I think that's a re- I think that's like a revenge game. Oh yeah, yeah to the max. Yeah, no, I'm that would be extremely exciting to see. And honestly, a lot of these matchups are really cool. I mean, Miami Chiefs is a fun. It's a fun matchup. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on the Chiefs. Uh, I'm not sold on the Chiefs winning that game. I think Mike McDaniel. You know, he wears his uh, sweatpants up a little higher. Well, I don't. You know, if if you do your homework, where's Mike McDaniel from? He's a Colorado boy. He's used to the cold. And I'm sure those guys, you know, I know Tua Tagovaiola might not because he's from Hawaii, but he spent some winters in Alabama. Uh, he'll be all right. And he's a tough cat. I think those I think those guys. And Tyreek Hill played in Kansas City. So uh, he, he can run fast. If you, if you Believe it or not, he can run fast in the cold too. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter for Tyreek Hill. How warm, cold, humid, he's running fast. So negative thirty, he's running fast. <laughs> he, he makes, makes fast. fast people look not fast. <laughs> Y'all got the halo too. I didn't know that came out yet. All right, picks for the weekend. Looking forward to the divisional round week after, and hopefully we have some pocket change to work with. So we're gonna wrap up the show here with a couple of uh, of our favorite games, America's favorite game, so to speak. We like to call it "Who was he best with?" And so Brandon gives me a player from any sport. That has played for multiple teams, and I have to decide what team he or she played better with. So, Brandon, who you got for me today? So, I was looking at my list, and I realized I haven't really showed love to the ice. So, I got a couple hockey guys on here this week, you know, giving love to the boys. Um, so, we'll start it off with hockey. First up, Matt Duchesne. Wow. 
One of those guys where it's like, was he ever good anywhere? Yeah, you know, I just feel like he's been the same guy everywhere he's gone, and he's still the same guy. And you know, he you you know, as as a Colorado Avalanche fan follower, you felt that he, you know, was part of going to be a part of that team that was going to win a cup, and then he ended up you know needing to leave for that to happen. That's tough for me, but when it comes to that situation, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Avs. He was a fan favorite. He was a stud center. Uh, he was fast, not McKinnon fast, but he was a quick skater. Uh, I'm gonna go Matt Duchesne Avalanche. I think that's the right pick because I think I think he was in his. I think he had the A on his chest at one point. I think he did. Yes, he did. He was a respected dude in Colorado. I don't think he's been yeah, that just, respected it, it anywhere south. else. I think he's just yeah, been kind of a south. guy, but he was he was he was probably the guy in Colorado. So, yeah, Avalanche. And unfortunate that he had to leave for it to work out for the Avalanche, but sorry, buddy. Next up, Alex Caruso. Caruso. I mean, he won a ring in L.A. Wasn't he on that team? Am I not mistaken that he was on the 2020 Lakers? I mean, Possible. If, if he was on the if he was on the 2020 Lakers, I mean, Lakers. I mean, what what has he done besides ride the bench hurt? You know, for the for the, uh, the for the Bulls. I, I'm I, I, you know I don't know. Yeah, yes, I mean, he was to, he was on the Lakers. Argue, it's, it's, he was on the yeah, Lakers. It's hard, to argue, it's, it's hard to argue a ring. I agree. And you know I you know I I don't know. You know, with the way I think maybe people jumped the gun a little bit with Austin Reeves. I mean, Caruso was him, man. Caruso was that guy. I want to go with L.A. Jay Cutler. Hate to say it, Chicago. I think so, too. I mean, he was dope in in Denver, but I I just, I don't, I feel like, you know, I I don't know if he, I don't know. It's, It's tough for me to. Say that he was the guy. I'm trying to think of players. I mean, Brandon Marshall was unbelievable when he was in Denver. And I don't know if he necessarily helped Cutler in that way. But he went to Chicago, went to an NFC Championship game. He didn't necessarily play. Shout out Caleb Haney, CSU. But I think he was better in Chicago, made more of a name for himself. Um, And he fit in, man. He was like Jim McMahon, dude. He fit in just like that lovable guy that you hate that's always a guy like he bugged me in denver but like i'd love to get a beer with him love jay cutler i'm all i'm a huge fan of jay huge fan of jay i mean he just seems like such a guy that gets it and he also just doesn't just very relaxed and just you know seems like a down-to-earth guy the next one i got for you close to your heart darren sproles Would it be the Eagles would be the other one? Yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of where my mind went. It's pretty much Chargers or Eagles. Yeah, Chargers, man. You know, he made he 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 brought as a short guy myself, he made us feel like we were six five, bro. I mean, Darren Sproles was one of a kind. So quick, those little short steps, but he ran hundred miles per hour. I don't know. He was breaking tackles out of dudes. They don't really build him like him anymore. And uh, I think Deuce Vaughn, I think he's a running back for the Cowboys, went to Kansas State, 
think that's his name. I mean, he's yep. kind of like, but again, he's a third string. I don't see him ever and making I, it to the top. He's a lot smaller. He's a lot smaller than Darren. Like Darren was more, a little more stocky. Darren was built a little bit. Darren was built. Man, what he did that one playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts, that's what stands out to me the most. And, uh, yeah, the Chargers, man. I mean, we even when the Chargers had LaDainian Tomlinson, Darren Sproles made a name for himself on that team. That's how impressive Darren Sproles was to me. Next up, we got... Let's go Nate Robinson. Man, dude, he was everywhere. Everywhere. I got to go with the New York Knicks because of the slam dunk contests. Uh, and and kind of, you know, he did, he did some crazy things in New York. I think he spent maybe the most time there. But he spent, he spent a second in Chicago. Spent a second in Denver. Spent a second in Boston. He was on that... Uh, that championship team that lost the second year, the second time to the Lakers. But I think New York, man, those back-to-back, I think he won back-to-back slam dunk championship. If not, he won one, and he was 5'10", and he brought back the Spud Webb. Again, shout-out to the short guys. You know, he made us short guys. He's another one that made us feel like we were 6'5". This guy's out here dunking on over Dwight Howard. He was dunking over Shaquille O'Neal in practice. I mean, and then shout-out U-Dub, obviously, but... I think the New York Knicks. I think he was the best with the New York Knicks. So, yeah, and he was a three-time champ. Went back-to-back in 2009 and 2010 and also won one in 2006. Which is crazy for a dude that size. That's just unreal. 2006? Yes, sir. With the Heat? Who was 2006? Dunk cha- what I say? Oh, I, mean, I thought you were talking about dunk. NBA championships. I was like, I was like, oh, that'd be electric. I, I mean, he won three NBA championships. Oh my god! Yeah, you don't remember it? It was D Wade, Shaq, and Nate what? Robinson. Yeah, I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, dunk, Nate dunk Robinson subbed in for UD when UD needed a breather. <laughs> Nate was, would come in. I was wondering who that dude was. All right, we're gonna end it with another uh, another hockey guy, Mark Andre Fleury, the Flower. I know you want to say Pittsburgh, but he was a big part of that Vegas run when they lost to the Caps. I mean, he was legit with the Knights, too. He's still legit. He's still legit. And I have a bonus uh, trivia question regarding uh, Marc-Andre Fleury after you give your answer. I think I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh. He just did it so long, so consistently. You know that he was good with them. He was, he was, you know, you have Sid the kid, and you have you have him there, and you have your star, but like, you have to have a goalie, and you have to have someone in the net that you can trust that's going to stop the other guy's best guy, that's going to stop Ovechkin, that's going to stop McKinnon, that's going to stop these guys. And Flurry did that for so many years in Pittsburgh. I mean, he was the guy. I was actually sad to see him go. I didn't think he'd ever leave Pittsburgh. He was there for a minute. But I think I'm going to say, I know, I know he did incredible things for the Vegas Knights. And that was impressive because of the way he is in his career. At the same time, hockey guys play old all the time. So I'm like, right. you know, he... he Which he, is crazy. I mean, we've talked crazy. about how crazy and, and hockey that is. That doesn't make it, sense. Scientifically, I, yeah, that don't I make don't sense, get bro. It. That don't make sense. No. Like, sports science needs to get on that real quick and be like, what, how are hockey players able to play till they're 45? And they're signing contracts till they're 45. 10-year contracts. Mark Andre Fleury, yeah, I just he did it. He did it with the Penguins. He did it consistently. Won a couple, couple cups. Going with Pittsburgh Penguins. 
Okay, so bonus trivia. Okay. The other night, Mark Andre Fleury got his 551st all-time win, which is tied for second amongst goalies with who? It's not Patrick Waugh, is it? It is. Patrick Waugh. No He's about kidding. To eclipse. He's about to eclipse Patrick Waugh in all-time wins. Man. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, that one hurts. <laughs> Dang it. Patrick Waugh, huh? Talk about a legend. Remember that first year when he coached the coached the Avs? That was insane. Pulling, goalie, pulling goalies with six minutes to go. Remember the first game? 6-1 against the Ducks, and he's trying to fight the coach. He's ripping down the glass. One of a kind, Patrick Patrick Waugh. Man. 30, so, so, you know, and I think this is obvious, but, you know, who's the better 33 in Colorado, you know? Larry Walker or Patrick Waugh? Yeah, it's obviously Patrick Waugh, but it's like... <laughs> You know, you do you do kind of like just hesitate, like I don't know, Larry. He's got to give Larry his flowers once in a while. He's in the Hall of Fame as a Rocky. Hall of Famer, Hall as of a Famer. Rocky. You got to respect. Is Todd that. getting in this year? Todd has to get in, man. This is ridiculous. I don't know what people are doing not voting Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. You got to get Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. It's disgusting. These guys that are getting chosen to be voters for the Hall of Fame, it's like, what's your dude? You're losing your reputation, man. You don't know baseball. It's bad. If you don't know how to show respect for the teams, the guys that stick it with those teams that are trash for the Hall of Fame, that's why you put all that out the window and you really respect the guy that stayed there and then did things every single year he was there till the day he retired from that organization. He had a home run his last dang game. I mean, he 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 was he played for Colorado his entire career, and he his stats his stats speak for themselves. Let alone how good of a player he was, stats speak them for themselves. And MLB and baseball is all about their damn analytics and their stats. So, like, what are we avoiding that stuff for for Todd Helton? He has to get in, and it looks like he will get in. It looks like it feels I say like. he's been trending, you know, year to year. He's been cl- getting closer and closer. So I agree. I think I think this is the year. To wrap it up today, I got trivia for you. Oh, boy. I got to do better than I did last time. I've been holding on this one for the whole day. Decided to hold it for the pod. Uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, Brandon and I spent the whole dang day together, and then here we are doing a podcast at the end of the day. It's uh, already past midnight, so um, we'll see you later tonight. So there are two coaches that have won either a Super Bowl or a college football championship. So two coaches that have won Super Bowl or college football championship from the years 2000-2015 that are still with the same team that they won with. Who are those two coaches? I will give you this. They are both in the NFL, and they are both in the same division. Obviously Pete Carroll. No, because he's no longer there anymore. Well, he's an advisor. <laughs> he's not the coach. They're coaches. They're coaches. Okay. They're coaches. Right, so read me the criteria again. So, Super Bowl. so they won a Super Bowl or a college football championship from the years Which, 2000 to 2015. Okay. Well, it's still Pete Carroll still fits that description. He fits it, but it's this this stat came out after this came out today, which means Pete Carroll is no longer a coach for the Seattle Seahawks. So this is who remains. 
There are two that See, I remain. Thought I thought you were trying to pull a fast one. It's like, well, he's still there but not coaching, but you pulled a fast one the other way. Okay. Same division, national champion. And even if it was PKO, who would be the other guy? I mean, none of the other guys would fit that criteria. Well, well, yeah, the, the 2000, I guess, technically. I guess Sean McVay. Okay, so college football, championship, Super Bowl, same division. Not Sean McVay because he's after 2015. So it's 2000 to 2015. Well, he never won a natty. It was either one, Super Bowl or college football. Oh, I'm or, thinking both. Or, I'm thinking both. No, one or the Pete other. Carroll won both. See, my mind went straight to Pete Carroll because he won both. Nope, no Pete Carroll here. They're in the same division, both in the same NFL. Same division, same team. Both in the playoffs. Head coaches, Mike Tomlin and Jim Harbaugh. Not Jim, but. what else? Yeah, we've been talking about Jim so much. John. Well, again, Jim just came off a natty, too. Apparently, I don't listen to the, the dang trivia. I set my own trivia criteria, all right? It was, a little, it was a little confusing with the years and the and or, but you got it. Good job. Now I'm curious how many people have won both a Super Bowl and a national championship. I think it's just it's just Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. But who Jim win it with? Because Jim got beat by the Ravens. Oh, I'm sorry. So then I think Pete Carroll's the only one to win them both. Let's go to our Google, good old friend Google here. I'm pretty sure Pete Carroll's the only one to win them both. Let's see here. This is really good podcasting, just doing Google searches while we're making people just sit in silence. I hope everyone's on the edge of the seat like I am. Okay, so there's three. Pete Carroll, Jimmy Johnson, and Barry Switzer. There you go. Some big names on that list. Now, technically, are we giving Pete Carroll his? Because I think... In 2003, didn't they share that? Like, wasn't that still the era where you could still technically share? They could, but I don't think they shared with anyone that year. Which I don't mind because I don't count the shares because other than CU's got to have something to say. So we'll we'll count it. No, I, I, and, and there was a different day back then and it wasn't clear. So I, I mean, I, I get the shared championships, but I don't think it was that year. Even if we're allowing yeah. it. Yeah, but I yeah, remember. so Jim Hart, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, the only coaches that are still with the same team between the span of 2000 and 2015 that won a Super Bowl or a college football championship. So it's just rare. It's rare these days that you find a coach to be there for that long. Pete Carroll was in Seattle for 14 years, so he didn't even reach that 15-year mark uh, in Seattle. So, you know, props to John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, and I happen to be in the same division too, so... Uh, kind of crazy, but respect to those that's franchises the, for sticking to their guys. I think that's the craziest part about it is the same division. They're like, it's like, like who's going to blink first? Right. Not that either of them really need to be getting fired at all. Like no, if Mike Tomlin like got, okay. if they got rid of Mike Tomlin, dude, I'd be saying Seattle needs to pick him up yesterday. Like, what if he I goes would, to Bama? I would. Woof! Now we're talking. Roll he tie. would hate. He would hate college football. No, heck no. Dude. He would hate he, that. No, no cheerleader. Can't be a cheerleader. cheerleader in Alabama, man. 
Can't do it. Well, I don't know. Maybe a cheerleader type coach is what you you know. That's what you want for college. I'm waiting for someone to call Dion a cheerleader. Yeah, they might. They might. We'll see. Quinn Ewers staying in Texas for one more year so he could lose to CSU at home. I just, I'm so excited for him. Makes sense, I think. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go out with the loss to CSU? I mean, everyone's got to do it at home, week one. I think that's what I think that's his. You know, I think that's what he's doing it for. He needs to get that loss in his in his in his life. So, week one in Austin, CSU is going to start their season off against Quinn Ewers, and he's probably going to be pretty angry from losing in the Sugar Bowl. So, we'll see how that. Yeah, goes. it's a bad. That's. I'm. You know. I, I am upset though because I would have rather him go to the NFL, and I want. I wanted Arch Manning. I would love if Arch Manning's first start was against CSU. Man, that would be that would be great. Be great for the yeah. That would uh, be that would be cool to kind of be a part of that. And yeah. Maybe maybe he is. Maybe something happens to Quinn Ewers. Maybe something you know something crazy could go down. It's still a lot of time, but as of now, he's saying he's coming back to Texas. So we'll see what happens. And and a lot of guys are going to be doing that these days with NIL and the uh, and the twelve man playoff. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, Brandon, last shout out of the night. You got anything? Um, I have the. I don't know his name. Because we were just, I was kind of watching it here while we were recording. I took the live under in the Arizona State Washington game. Okay. And it ended with Arizona having two free throws. I had live 148.5. It was at 146. Arizona drives the basket with like 12 seconds to go. The guy gets fouled. I'm thinking it's all good. He'll shoot the two free throws. Washington will dribble it out. Then a little scuffle happens. Washington gets a flagrant or sorry ASU got the flagrant called on them so Washington got to shoot two free throws before this guy shot two free throws Washington knocks them both down and the ASU guy splits his I got my live under so shout out to whoever it was shooting free throws for ASU unbelievable gotta love it gotta love the cover play missing a free throw uh my last shout out is to Santa Clara Steve Nash in the house did they end up winning Steve Nash in the house Plus 320 on the money line. They beat Gonzaga for the first time since 2011. So uh, I think we can put Steve Nass and Jesus on the same level. I think that's a fair. So Santa Clara, their resume builders now, CSU and Gonzaga? Is that what you're. Well, that was St. Mary's, buddy. So do your homework. Oh, yeah, it was St. Mary's. (laughs) Wrap it up, buddy. It's it's 12.15. Wrap it up. (laughs) We'll see you guys in episode 11.